Welcome to Bachelor Creek Church of Christ this morning. We are glad that you joined us for worship today, whether you are in person or watching online. We're so thankful that you've chosen to be with us this morning. And over the past four weeks, if you have joined us here at Bachelor Creek, you know that we've been going through a series called Jesus for President. And in the middle of this series, our goal has been to dive into Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, probably his most famous sermon. If you've grown up in the church, this is something that you've heard over and over again, these teachings that we've covered over the past four weeks. But this time, as I've went through the Sermon on the Mount, I got to tell you, I've been a little intimidated by the words of Jesus. These things that he is saying to us are challenging. And I've started to ask the question, do I have what it takes to follow Jesus the way that he's commanded us to do so? And if Jesus is truly serious about the things that we see throughout the Sermon on the Mount, is this something that I'm able to do in my everyday life? Am I able to pick up my cross and to follow him the way that he's commanded us to? I mean, take a look at some of these things that we've looked at over the past four weeks. They're going to be on the screen. You can follow along, but it's quite the list as we look at it. When it comes to God's kingdom, the poor in spirit, the mourners, the meek and merciful, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and oh yeah, the persecuted will be the ones that are blessed. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same is called least in the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery. Anyone who divorces his wife except for unfaithfulness commits adultery. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. If someone strikes you, turn to the other cheek. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Give to the needy without letting anyone else know what you're doing. Do not store up treasures for yourself on earth, but instead store them up in heaven. You can't serve both God and money. Don't worry about your life. And oh yeah, don't judge or you too will be judged. Now can anybody say today, by a raising of your hand, that you are completely following Jesus the way that he's commanded us to? I'll be the first one to tell you that I am not. And so today, my hope is that as we finish Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and we see how the people responded to hearing these words, that we leave here today with hope. Because I think Jesus shows us what it looks like to follow him in the ways that he's asked us to. So, if you have your Bibles today, we're going to turn to the last two verses of Matthew chapter 7. And we're actually going to work our way backward through the text. So we're going to see the response of the people first, and we'll finish by looking at the final thing that Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount. So if you have your Bibles or a Bible app or even your bulletin, and it's going to be on the screens as well, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 and 29. And this is what it says. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Let's read that one more time together. 
When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So Matthew shows us that after Jesus wrapped up his sermon, the people who were standing there listening to him were amazed. But the word amazed, I think it loses some of its effectiveness in 2020. And here's why. We say that our favorite deep dish pizza is amazing. And we're amazed at the most recent episode of The Bachelorette, right? Did anybody see The Bachelorette this week? Crazy stuff going on, right? That's, that's how we use, we use that word to talk about that. And the fact that people post cute cat pictures on Instagram, that amazes us. The word has lost its meaning. Amazing means nothing because it's used to describe everything. Every single day you talk about how things are amazing and that becomes a problem as we're reading through scripture and we see this word. There was a lady at the church that I went to before Bachelor Creek. Her name was Miss Peggy. And Miss Peggy had a very big pet peeve. If you use the word awesome in any context except talking about God, she would let you know about it. And I knew this about Miss Peggy. So when I was around Miss Peggy, I did not use awesome unless I was talking about God. But if she heard you saying that, she would say to you, no one is awesome except our God. Miss Peggy was determined to preserve the word awesome and to use it exclusively for talking about God. Because Miss Peggy understood that words hold weight. And so today I think if we're going to understand this word amazing, it's a good idea to take back the original meaning. It's a good idea to understand fully what this word means as we see it in Scripture. So if you have another translation of Scripture today, it might be translated as astonished instead. And I think astonished is probably a better word for us because it isn't a word that you hear all the time, every single day. It's not something that you're using to describe even the things that you think are kind of cool. So when you see amazing, think astonished. Or better yet, for our millennials in the crowd today that think using emojis, you can use this emoji to help you understand it a little bit better. When you see amazing, think mind blown. Because that's where we're at today, as these people had heard Jesus' story. They were amazed, astonished. Their minds had been blown. And church, this is the perfect starting place when it comes to following Jesus. When we hear who Jesus is and we see what he has done, the correct response is always amazement. Jaw-dropping to the floor, astonishment. Because you can't encounter Jesus and walk away unchanged. It's not possible because Jesus always requires a response of us. There is no remaining neutral in the kingdom of God. It's all in or nothing. There's no in-between. That's what Jesus has called us to. Jesus spoke with authority. 
And as we read through this text, we know that Matthew tells us that's why they stood in amazement, that Jesus was one that spoke with authority. And he was able to do that because he actually had authority. This is the word who had become flesh. This is God becoming man and moving into the neighborhood. Is it any surprise to us that the people stood there with their minds blown? This is God speaking truth into their lives. And at that time, the religious leaders, a.k.a. the Pharisees, they had missed the mark when it came to focusing on who they were following. And instead, they had begun to put all of their attention on the what's of their faith. Now, I think when we think about the Pharisees, a lot of times the Pharisees get a bad rap. We're always talking negatively about the Pharisees. But here's the deal. The Pharisees deserve a lot of respect because the Pharisees did everything in their power to make sure that they preserved the Jewish identity. Now, in the Old Testament, we see that God's people were the Israelites. This is the Jewish people that we see throughout the Old Testament leading up to the point where Jesus enters the picture. And God's people, it was an important group of people. The, the Pharisees made sure to protect and preserve that identity for the people. Because at that time, King Herod was going through country after country, town after town, trying to make sure that everybody in its path would bend towards the Greek way of life. That was his goal. But guess who did not fold when it came to following Herod? The Pharisees. The Pharisees were the ones that were standing strong and saying, no, we are God's chosen people. And so like Nate talked about a few weeks ago, they'd take these laws that had been put in place for God's people and they'd put invisible fences around them to make sure that they didn't even come close to breaking the laws. We should give them a hand for doing that, right? But in the process, they had forgot to keep their eyes focused on the God who had chosen them to begin with. I think we can think about it like this. Let's say that you have a house that sits in the foothills of the mountains. And every morning when you wake up, you go into your living room where there's this big picturesque window that looks out into the mountainside. And you can see the sun rising over the mountains and you stand there in awe of all the beauty and all the majesty that your eyes are taking in. But one day, you hear that someone's coming over to your house. And so you do what many of us would do. You start cleaning up and making sure everything's ready for your guest. Well, you get to the living room and you look at that window and you realize this window's gotten a little dirty. So you take out your cleaning supplies and you clean the window to make sure that there's not a spot on it. But by doing this, you start to notice when that window's dirty. And so the next day rolls around and you see that there's some spots on the window, so you go clean the spots to make sure that it's not dirty anymore. And then the next day comes and you're like, oh, the window's dirty again. I need to clean to make sure that I can see the beauty. But in the process, instead of looking out the window, you're looking at the window. That's where the Pharisees were at in this moment. They had lost the focus on what had mattered the most. They had, they had started with good intention, but they ended in a place that they would never have imagined. So here we are. The Pharisees, they had missed the mark, and people were longing for something more, for something real. And then Jesus enters the picture, 
and he drops truth bomb after truth bomb, and he turns the world upside down, turns everyone's beliefs upside down, leaving the people in a state of amazement. Amazement comes when we focus on the who, not the what. Jesus is amazing, period. That's it. And that is what fuels what we do, not the other way around. When we get caught on following the teachings without understanding the teacher, we become like the Pharisees, and we miss it. But this is only the beginning for us. It does not end with amazement. It's what we do with amazement that matters the most. So thankfully, Jesus himself leaves us with one simple story to help us in our journey towards him. It's a story that many of you may be familiar with. We've heard it since we were kids if we've grown up in the church, but my hope is that today you see it is a key to unlocking the challenge of faithfully following Jesus every single day because if you're like me, these teachings can seem impossible at times. How am I actually going to live this out in my everyday life? So let's read Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27 together. Here's what it says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Anytime we see the word therefore in Scripture, we have to ask ourselves, what is that therefore, therefore? And this is a moment where we need to do that. And here's what we see. Jesus has given us this great sermon, these things that have challenged us and have pushed us in our walk with him. And then he ends with the word therefore and finishes with a story, a parable, like Jesus was known for doing. Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount by giving us a metaphor about two different builders. One builds his house on the rock, and one builds his house on the sand. But since Jesus is using metaphors, we know that he's not actually talking about building houses. He's showing us that those who hear the words of Jesus and actually put them into practice are building their lives on a strong foundation. But those that hear the words of Jesus and do not put them into practice are building their lives on a foundation that's going to crumble. Jesus is saying that obedience to his commands, the very commands that he has just spoken to the people, shape our lives more than we could ever realize. But the crazy part is that the foundation of the house is always unseen, isn't it? If you built two houses and they were side by side to each other, you wouldn't know what the foundation was by looking at the outside of the house. They'd look exactly the same. It's hidden underneath the house. But this is where we can find some understanding of what it looks like to position ourselves to follow Jesus 
even when it seems daunting at times. Because the unseen things in our lives, they actually affect the seen things. They affect what we do every single day of our lives. So let's, let's try to put this together now. First, we hear from Jesus. Then, we stand amazed by him. And that is at the point when the unseen things in your life start to matter. Things like believing and surrendering to him. Those both happen internally at first. And once you believe and once you surrender, then you are in a position for growth in your walk with Jesus. That's where we have to be if we want to follow Jesus the way that he's asked us to. So here's a simple equation that I hope will help you out. Amazement plus belief plus surrender equals a posture for growth. That is what it looks like to have a strong foundation. Our growth in Christ depends on our posture because the Holy Spirit is the one who transforms us. That when we are in a position of growth posture, the Holy Spirit can come into our lives and root out the things that need to be taken away and help us to look more and more like Jesus every single day of our lives. It's been promised to us by Jesus in the Bible, in the book of John. This is what Jesus says about promising us a helper in this journey towards him. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And then John later on, or Paul later on in the New Testament says these words in 2 Thessalonians, may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love in Christ's perseverance. It's God that's the one that's directing us and leading us in this movement towards Jesus. In 2 Corinthians, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We can follow Jesus faithfully because the Spirit of the living God is present in the lives of those who surrender their lives to Jesus. That's what we're promised when we surrender everything to him. So amazement leads to belief, and belief belief leads to the willingness to surrender, and that is the posture that we have to be in if we're going to seek Jesus with all of our lives. So my three-year-old has taught me a ton about posture. And if you've ever been around a kid you know that this is true because you can tell how they are going to respond to something that you ask them to do by how their posture is in that moment. So when I see my three-year-old looking like this, with his lip out and his arms crossed, I know that it's going to be a battle for him to respond to what I've asked him to do. Or even worse, if I see my three-year-old like this, I recognize that he is not sleeping and he is not trying to get a suntan, but that he has made up his mind that he's not going to budge. It's true, isn't it? Our posture tells us a lot about how we're going to respond. The same is true for us as followers of Jesus. Posture matters for your growth. 
if you want to grow, take a look at your posture. You can ask yourself, do I believe that Jesus is who he said he was? And if so, do I, am I willing to surrender all areas of my life to him? If the answer is yes to those two questions internally, then you're in a great posture for the Holy Spirit to work in your life. If I were going to grab a coffee with one of you and we were talking about this conversation of what does it look like to follow Jesus, these commands that we've been talking about the last four weeks, how, how is it even possible to grow in Christ-likeness? I'd try to pull out a napkin and I'd, I'd make a little graph for you and I'd say that, man, many times in our walk with Jesus, we think that it should look like this. That when we're baptized and when we surrender to Jesus, it's this gradual progression towards Christ-likeness. That's what transformation should look like. But if you have walked with Jesus any time at all, or even if you're not there yet and aren't walking with Jesus, you probably recognize that it doesn't look like that at all. Instead, it looks like this. It's a roller coaster. There's ups and downs along the way, but you'll notice that there is a gradual progression towards Christ. There's ups and downs along the ways. There's moments where we feel close to God and there's moments that we feel pretty far away from God. And those incline lines, you probably can't see it that well, but there's a blue line in the middle of that that shows you growth. That is a moment where you're in a posture for the Holy Spirit to help you grow in your life where you're believing the things that Jesus said to do, and you're surrendering those things to him, the Spirit takes over, and you're growing in that walk with Jesus. But there's also the decline times in our lives, the red line that you'll see up there. Those are the moments where our posture is a little bit off, where we're holding on tight to something that we should let go of, and we're saying, no, this is the one area in my life, God, that I don't want to hand over to you. Everything else you can have, but this I'm going to hold on to. Or moments in our lives where we start to doubt that God is good, that God is who he said he was. Those are moments where we start to see a decline. But here's the amazing thing. Even in those moments where we feel far from God, the promise is that God's spirit lives within us and he's not gonna give up on us. In those moments of the valleys, he's still working in our lives and what you'll see is a lot of times we come out of the valleys even closer to God than we have been ever before because our posture finally changes again. And we come out of a season of disbelief, believing in God even more than we have before. Or we finally let go of that one thing that we haven't been able to surrender to him and growth happens once again. Because at the end of the day, Jesus knew that we couldn't live up to this on our own. He knew we'd be sitting here thinking, how in the world am I ever going to follow him like he's commanded me to do it? So he promised us a helper to come into our lives and to transform us every single day so that at the end of your life, as you look back on the journey towards Christ, you'll see that growth and you can say, wow, this is nothing that I could have ever done on my own, but because of Jesus, but because of the Holy Spirit. I'm not the same man today that I was back then. Elijah, it's time. You ready for this? I've asked Elijah to come up here and help me with something as we finish today. Right here 
is a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I've spent so many hours trying to figure out how to solve a Rubik's Cube. I've even went to the point where I've been online watching YouTube videos trying to crack the algorithm to solve this thing. And I'll follow the step-by-step -step instructions to try to do it, and I still fail miserably. Nothing I can do allows me to solve this thing. I try as hard as I can, I still come up empty. But here's what I know. I'm amazed by this man right here because I know that he can solve this. And I believe that if I hand this over to him today, that he'd be able to take it and solve it quicker than I ever could. And so, with that in mind, being amazed by you and believing that you can solve this Rubik's Cube today, I'm going to surrender it to you in this moment. And I want you to do what only you can when it comes to solving that Rubik's Cube. You can go watch him in amazement just like I am because even the way that he moves his fingers to do that, I'm just like, I don't know how that's even possible. I'm really confused by it. But here's what I, here's what I know. Because of my amazement and my belief and my surrender, I am now in the correct posture to see change happen to that Rubik's Cube. That's what it looks like <laughs> to follow. Thank you, Elijah. It's amazing. I don't Yeah, he deserves a hand for that, man. Pressure is on, too. I'm like, if he fails this thing, there's, there's no turning back at this point. So. <laughs> but this is what it looks like to follow Jesus' teachings from the Sermon on the Mount. You can do it when you've laid everything down before him. And in those moments, I can promise you that your life's going to be changed forever because it's no longer you that lives, but, the, but Christ that lives through you. You finally handed it over to him and said, God, I've tried too long to do this on my own. And every time I come up short, but I know that when I hand this over to you, that you're going to take it and you're going to change me into something beautiful. Today, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to the way that the Spirit's leading in your life. This entire series has been called Jesus for President. And as we've thought about this concept as a staff, we've thought, man, this is Jesus's ultimate campaign speech, which is pretty ca crazy because you would never see a political leader using the campaign speech that Jesus used. It's completely against everything that you would see someone being about. But that's how we viewed it as because these are the things that mattered most to Jesus. And I think that it's become clear that through Jesus' words, he's calling us to surrender every part of our lives to him. So my question to you today is, where are you at in your journey with Jesus? If you're here today and you're amazed by the person that Jesus is, then you have to decide, do I believe that all of this is true? That Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to die on the cross to wash away my sins, that he actually stepped into my place so that I wouldn't, wouldn't have to experience death. And if you believe that that's true, then the next step is, am I willing to surrender to what he's asked me to do? God's word makes it clear that there's a place and a time that this can happen, and it's called baptism. Baptism is a moment where we have this outward sign of an inward reality that's happening in our lives, 
of all the stuff that we're talking about, that I truly do believe in Jesus. I truly do want to surrender my life in him. And then there's this moment in time where we can declare to everyone, I want that in my life. And I'm going to show everyone that this is who I am. This is what I want to follow with my life. So during our final song today, we'd love to take some time to talk to you about what it looks like to actually surrender it all to him. I'll be up here, some of our elders will be up here, and we'd love to have that conversation with you as the last song plays today. And finally, if you've committed your life to Jesus, and you want to surrender to him daily, I want to encourage you to take one of the yard signs that you saw out in the lobby as you came in today. Those signs are a way for us to declare to our community that we are going to follow Jesus and to surrender to him daily. When you see these signs during a political season, you know who the owner of that house is aligned with. It becomes obvious to you when you drive by, oh, I understand who they align with in the upcoming election. But our hope is that as all of these presidential signs start coming out of yards, that what you're going to see is Jesus signs start popping up throughout our community. As we, as a church body, say, we are going to follow Jesus every single day of our lives. We are going to surrender our lives to him. We are going to commit to following him with everything we have, knowing that we're not going to do that perfectly, but also realizing that God's spirit lives within those who believe and who surrender their lives to him. There is power in the name of Jesus. We've been promised a helper to come in and to transform us from the inside out. So, our prayer is that these signs will be a visual reminder to you as you leave the house in the morning and as you come back at night that I have made a decision to follow Jesus. I have made a decision to say that Jesus is my president. He's the one I'm following no matter what else is going on in this world. Stand in amazement today of the one who reigns. Believe and surrender to his teachings. And then sit back and let the Holy Spirit do what only he can. Let's pray. Oh God, I stand here today inadequate in every single way. And as I've heard your teachings over the past four weeks, I'm not going to lie and say that I've felt confident that I can do everything that you've asked me to. But here's what I know. As I read your word, it becomes clear that you have promised us to help us in that journey, that we don't have to do it alone, that you will transform us from the inside out, that we can be people of God, that we can be a part of your kingdom, and that you're the one leading us every single day. And God, it, it excites me to think that we could leave here today knowing that imperfect people, broken people could go out into this world and make a difference and make an impact because of what Jesus has already done, because of your Holy Spirit that lives in us as we speak. So today I pray that your spirit moves. God, I pray that those that don't yet know you will say, man, I am amazed by Jesus and I want that in my life. God, I pray that those that need to let go of something will let go of it. And God, I pray that you will take over. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for what he taught us, 
but more importantly, what he did for us. And today we stand amazed by him. In your son's name I pray. Amen.